This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 352. Being a successful coach means that when we're given the opportunity to respond to a desire for somebody to work with us, and often that's through a request for proposal, it's important that we know how to respond to that because it's easy to get overwhelmed, to swirl around, what should I include? How should this sound? And get caught up in too much about us and the process versus listening for what is needed. Because the reality is responding to an RFP or a request for proposal actually involves more of your coach skills than maybe you give credit for. So in this episode, we're going to explore the key elements of what to consider when completing a request for proposal, whether that's in one-on-one work with a coachee or a client, or whether you're actually offering something for the entire organization. So join us as we explore, how do you respond to an RFP? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Welcome to the show. It's fabulous to have you here. I'm excited to do another solo episode with you, bringing forward some of my experience and examples that I can use with you to help you thrive as a coach. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I would like to request your indulgence as I reach out to my husband and just celebrate him for a moment. So as I record this, we are celebrating our 37th wedding anniversary together. We actually were together about five years before that. So for the vast majority of my life, Dan has been my key partner, support, and love of my life. So I want to take a moment to wish him a happy anniversary, to thank him for supporting me through these 30 years, 30 plus years of being a business owner. I don't think that you can really lean into being a business owner if you don't have the support of your partner and uh, your spouse. And and Dan has been great at helping me walk that path. He's also been an incredible co-parent to our adult sons. And I just have been so blessed having him in my life all these years. So happy anniversary, sweetheart. And thank you for being you. Now, As we dive into today's show, when I determine the best topics for my solo shows, I really lean into what I get asked as a coach instructor and a mentor. Now, recently in the Star Coach community, one of the members was working through an opportunity that she had to create a proposal to an organization to provide a package of coaching and assessments. So while I was providing guidance to her and we were doing some hot seat coaching around what she wanted to be able to do to format her proposal, I thought to myself, you know what? She's not the only one and the community's not the only one who needs this kind of guidance. This was going to be a great topic for an episode. And that's what we're focusing on today. So we're going to dive into what to think about, what to do, 
how to lay out a response to a request for proposal, otherwise known as an RFP. So we're going to focus in two lanes in today's episode. We're going to start with how would you respond if you're being asked for to submit a proposal for one-on-one work with a coaching client? And then we're also going to look at what if you're being asked to provide a proposal much like my the member was around offering a service. Maybe you're being offered to present to the organization for a coaching of more than one, maybe all their leaders or team building or offering assessments or a facilitation or group or team coaching. There's lots of different things that you could be approached by the organization to respond to an RFP with a proposal about what you're going to offer. Now, the strategies that we're going to share in today's episode are applicable to all of those things and even applicable if, in fact, what you're doing is not doing written proposals, but you are responding to someone through a discovery call or through a um, a conversation. Because this conversation and this aspect of offering your service is so multifaceted, I'm also going to remind you of a few past episodes that really complement this topic so that you can go back and explore if you're interested in diving that much deeper, because I want you to get a full picture and why not lean into some of the expertise that has already been offered to really give you a robust picture. In addition, I I felt like a sample of what we were talking about would be super helpful for you. So I created a sample of a proposal based upon the examples that I'm going to give you in today's episode. And you can get those at starcoachshow.com slash 352, and then grab the download for today's episode. So go to starcoachshow.com slash 352 and grab the link to the download for today's episode. Now that we've set the stage, let's look at the barrier that happens sometimes. So it's often in these detail aspects of the business of the business to fill our calendars that stop us in our tracks, that intimidate us and really keep us from having the impact that we want to have and creating the financial success that we want to have and that we need to embrace to be able to really enroll in the aspect of having a fulfilling and full business. What we forget sometimes in the midst of that intimidation and overwhelm is that much of what we need to do to enroll clients, whether those clients are one-on-one clients or organizations, really comes straight from our coaching toolbox. And what we need to do is add some structure to that and a little bit of an administrative twist to have the kind of success we want. So let's dive into that, starting with how do we respond to a request for coaching an individual? Now, right out of the gate, as I mentioned earlier, not every request requires a written proposal. Often, if we're a life coach, a relationship coach, sometimes even executive coaches, we're we're approached directly by the client. And the way that we move the client from a 
or we move the prospect into being a client is through a discovery call. So if you want to re-dive into sort of the aspects of what makes a successful discovery call, I encourage you to visit episode 290, where I talked about the secrets to successful discovery calls. So the links of all the episodes that I'm going to be talking about today are in the show notes under starcoachshow.com slash 352. We're going to have the links to the different episodes that I talked about. So when we think about converting somebody from a prospect through to a client, through a discovery call, you want to lean into episode 290. But we also want to think about how do we move somebody from not even knowing us to knowing us and becoming a prospect to then becoming a client. And we talked about that with Nancy Geary in episode 259, where she talked about specific actionable strategies for getting those prospective clients into our circle of influence and then into the discovery call. So that's another resource that would really make this robust for you. Now, for the purposes of this episode, we're going to focus on receiving a request for proposal. And in this part of the episode, we're looking specifically at an individual where that, that an organization wants to have coached. So you might be approached by the organization through a leader, through an HR uh, professional, through talent management. And they're engaging, they're looking at how can I engage with an outside coach for a specific employee? And usually they're asking several coaches to submit a proposal with their approach and their pricing for coaching services. Another time that I'm invited to submit proposals is when I'm working with a coaching broker. So if you work with a coaching uh, broker like Sherry Barth, who was my guest way back in episode seven about how to engage with a client through through a coaching broker, I would encourage you to listen to that. And you'll need to be able to submit a compelling proposal in that situation as well, because that coaching broker isn't just reaching out to you. They're reaching out to several coaches in their stable to submit a proposal that stands out from the crowd. And when we create a proposal that really makes us stand out, we might once again be thinking about what do I write? What's in there? And I want you to once again, lean into the tools that you already have. So as with so many things in coaching, the proposal process begins with curiosity. When I get contacted by an organization looking for a coach for one of their leaders, I begin with a needs assessment. I want to explore with them. What's their motivation for seeking a coach for that individual? What's the desired outcomes that the organization is thinking about when they are investing in coaching for this leader? So think about some things. Is this a high potential employee with growth needs? Is it a Lance Chance coaching situation like I discussed with Diana Ideas in episode 122? Is this a high performer 
with a few behavioral issues that they want to explore, or maybe some value issues that they want to explore. So you want to get really clear, what specifically does the organization want to see as a result of the coaching? I also want to know what's the leader's level of awareness of the issue at hand? What's their motivation and engagement in the coaching process? I want to know what's the relationship between this potential client and their leader? You want to lean into some of the logistical matters as well. For example, what assessments is the company aware of that the client has taken, if any? Are they interested in having additional assessments as part of the engagement? And how willing is the coachee's leader to participating in things like alignment meetings, setting goals, setting expectations, creating clarity about what they have observed from their employee that they want to have coached. This was discussed in depth, having great alignment meetings with Lisa Sampson in episode 83, because I often get asked by coaches, well, how do I create a successful alignment meeting? So I really encourage you to lean into episode 83 about that. So I want as much information as possible to understand the organizational need as I craft my proposal. If I have the opportunity to talk directly with the prospective client prior to submitting the proposal, that's even better because I get to explore much of the same information through the client's lens and get to capture that in the proposal as well. However, in my experience, The initial information usually comes from the organization and a proposal is submitted before you ever get to meet the prospective client because often it's what you're offering through the proposal that either gets you in front of the prospective client or doesn't. So often it's the bio and the proposal that gets you through the first process before the prospective client is given your name as a potential coach. So when you think about creating your proposal, you want to keep in mind that it's possible that the prospective client will be given your proposal to look through. And you want to be mindful of that when you're framing your wording. So Your client might or might not see the proposal or the prospective client and always keep that in mind. And I'm going to give you a specific example. And this specific example is the proposal example that I gave you as a download for this episode. So let's step into the example. You're contacted by a leader in HR for coaching a senior level leader. She is well-respected for being strong in her technology. She's a strong technical partner for people, but she struggles with motivating and inspiring her team. She alienates peers and her direct reports with her no-nonsense approach, her superior attitude, and her lack of responsiveness to others. The organization really values her deeply and they want her to work with an executive coach to strengthen her emotional intelligence, 
her communication skills, her collaborative relationships, and her ability to be a team player. Their intention is to help this leader succeed and thrive. So just be aware that depending upon your relationship with this referral source, you might hear very honest, very blunt language in the needs assessment. And you want to be respectful and coach-like, yet honest, in what you lay out in your proposal. Now, I want to give another caveat here. The example that I'm using here is not one of my specific clients. It's actually more of sort of pulling together different issues that I've been presented with over time. So the names and identities have been changed to protect the innocent. And this is actually, you know, no specific client. This is very much, though, what the process looks like and how I've been presented with details by organizations throughout the years of doing this executive coaching. So get back to your conversation with the HR leader. The HR leader says to you that this prospective client is willing to engage with a coach and her leader is on board with doing alignment meetings to set goals and expectations and provide feedback along the way. So you ask some more questions of the HR leader. The HR leader tells you that the leader's been with the organization for eight years, three years in her current position, and has not had any assessments administered to her through the organization. So based upon what you've already heard through this conversation and the experience that you've had, you suggest that maybe giving an EQ or an emotional intelligence leadership 360 assessment as part of your proposed approach might be helpful in this situation. And you check that out with the HR leader and she's in agreement with that approach. So we've gathered as much information as we can. We know that the client is on board. We've heard about what the organization would like to have happen. And this organization is gonna present the potential client with two or three of the best proposals or that they believe are the best proposals, but they're actually only going to present the coach or the coachee, the client with bios for her to choose three bios. The organization is reviewing all the proposals and they're picking the three that they like the best. So I'm going to walk through the example of an outline that I use for my proposals, and it served me very well over the years. As I said, the name is completely made up. The desired outcomes are a combination of several different clients over the years. And this is one example of a proposal that you could use. There are many different proposals out there. I'm not saying that this is like the one that you should use. I am giving you an example to because it's always easier to start with something. And as I've said, this format has served me very well over the years. So I begin with the purpose. And based upon the conversation that I had with HR, I would say the purpose of this proposal is to outline an executive coaching program that will benefit Sue Smith, my hypothetical client, in growing her leadership agility and be responsive to her team while maximizing the strengths she currently exhibits. 
think about the fact that if in fact the prospective client is being given this proposal to review as well, we always want our clients to to hear and know that we know that they are already bringing strengths to the table. They don't need to be fixed. We are in partnership with them to help them close those gaps. And in the desired outcomes, we really want to use their language on what closing those gaps would look like. So I move from the purpose into the desired outcomes. The desired outcomes based upon this conversation are to maximize Sue's ability to strategically partner with members of her team, to enhance her ability to inspire others, create trusting and effective working relationships, and be responsive in a way that enhances relationship building and her overall flexibility. Then I do some bullet points. We want to grow into a leadership role that enhances her already strong technical skills. Second bullet point, we want to create new experiences and collaborative relationships. Bullet point, communicate in a way that motivates and inspires others to a shared vision. Bullet point, increase ability to manage people and overcome obstacles. Bullet point, increase ease and confidence in leading others. Bullet point, determine and emphasize strengths while minimizing challenges. Bullet point, increase overall confidence and effectiveness in leadership, communication, and relationship building. Those desired outcomes are coming specifically. You weave in the language that you heard from your needs assessment, your highlight, and then you're weaving in some of your experience. For example, I know from working with leaders over the years that when we can inspire to a shared vision, it creates, it's one of, you know, the, an exemplary leadership standard. And it, and so you weave some of those things into your proposal, their language, along with your experience of what you know works and is needed. So then I'm going to move from the desired outcomes into what am I proposing as my approach? So my approach is going to start with an assessment. So I'm going to encourage you to describe the assessment that you're recommending, how it fits in to increasing awareness and providing insights for the given issues. And this is the deal I often hear from, from coaches. Well, what if, what if I don't have, you know, I don't know what assessment they want me to provide. And what I would say to you is whatever assessment, whether you are, you know, you're a DISC certified assessment, whether your assessment is EQI, whether you are the Winslow or the Hogan or the plethora of different uh, assessments that are available, highlight the benefits of that assessment. If in fact, you're not certified in any assessment yet, that's okay. There are, you know, you might offer the uh, via character strength assessment, which is online and free. And yet you can lean into what are the benefits of a client knowing their character strengths? How does that increase their awareness and understanding of what they're bringing to the table? If you don't have a 360 tool available to you, 
you can offer 360 interviews and how you're going to offer those interviews as a way of providing feedback. So in those 360 interviews, I'm going to lean into a couple of our former interviews that are going to really help you with that. One was episode 152 with Kelly Ross, where we talked about how do you provide fearless feedback? How do you provide through that 360 interview process. I also had a different angle on that with Leanne Mallory in episode 136. So those are some things that you can think about. And you want to be able to offer information in this proposal because fuzzy information doesn't sell. Clear, concise information is attractive and it draws people toward you. So you want to include things about like the setup. Is it an electronic assessment? Is it a paper and pencil? Are you going to be providing interviews? How are you going to help them choose raters? Maybe you're going to put in your proposal that the supervisor will have or the manager will have input into who your coachee selects. How many raters are they going to be able to have? For example, if I'm doing 360 interviews, then I'm going to cap that at probably eight to 10 people. Whereas if I'm using one of my 360 electronic processes, then they can have as many raters as they want. And so with that, we want to be able to lay out what they can expect from the process you know, what's your time frame for data collection? What's the length of the debrief? Everything you lay out is creating value and building up your proposal and the package that you're offering. Remember that when you're doing a 360, there's coordination with an organizational liaison for how you're going to set that up and distribute to the raters. There's emails that need to go out to remind people to respond. So if you're offering a 360, that's a very robust process. And think about that in both your setup in the proposal as well as your pricing. In addition to assessments, my proposed approach usually involves having alignment meetings or management consults. So you want to think about how often are you offering those? I like to begin with one of my first couple sessions with an alignment meeting with the leader and my client and myself to set expectations, to talk about how we are setting goals, where we're currently at, and what's the difference that we're looking for through the course of the engagement. This is also an opportunity to make certain that I'm not getting triangulated in communication. We're setting up those overarching agreement goals about, you know, how we're setting goals, that the manager is is communicating the need. Now, I know today we're talking about the proposal, but remember the way that we set things up from the very beginning create a smoother process. And when you can lay out as much as possible in your proposal, it's setting the stage for how you are going to partner with this potential client. So I go from assessments to alignment meetings to what the coaching engagement looks like. And I set up a flow in the proposal so that they know what I'm recommending. Let's say, for example, I'm recommending a six-month coaching engagement. 
That six-month period is recommended to provide Sue with her assessment results, to have coaching interactions, and to be able to effectively provide feedback for optimal impact and sustainable change. I often say that the six months will assess at five months to see if there if there's a need to, to extend the coaching engagement. So I say things like sessions will be conducted over Zoom, or if you're in the same city and the client wants face-to-face, maybe you're going to offer face-to-face. Whatever you offer, plan that into your pricing, because if I'm driving and engaging and driving back, chances are that that could be two to three times the length of time that hopping on a virtual call or a Zoom with my client is going to cost. So think of all those things as you're preparing your proposal. I also am available to my clients for unlimited emails and brief between session calls to address issues as needed. That's something that I put in my proposals because I don't want my client to think, well, I can only meet with Meg twice a month. And if I meet with her on Tuesday and something happens on Wednesday, I can't talk with her again for two weeks. I am available. I will tell you that as a whole, clients tend to be very respectful of that. I don't have clients who abuse that, but you decide whether or not that's something that you want to include in your proposal. I also provide my clients with leadership resources, books or articles or other resources as needed throughout the engagement. I lay out the coaching engagement. At the initial session, Meg's going to meet with Sue to create an overview of the coaching engagement, to discuss goals, to talk about the changes that are going to be needed over the six months. I set up the structure. And this is laid out in the example that I gave you in the download. What does that structure look like? What can the client expect? Now, when we know that the client brings the content and is responsible for the action in a session, in a proposal, it's your responsibility to lay out the structure. Do not assume that the organization or the client that you're submitting a proposal to is an expert in the best approach for a coaching engagement. That's where your expertise lies in. So as much as possible, think about any objections that you might hear about, think about any confusion that might be there and attempt to answer that in your proposal. I also lay out a coaching philosophy in my proposal. You'll see that in the example that I offered. Um, And this was reinforced in episode 288 with uh, Laura Berman-Fortgang, where we talked about what's your coaching methodology and why is that important to share? So you might lean into that episode for more clarity about what I'm talking about both through the example of my coaching philosophy that I lay out, as well as what Laura shares through her episode. And once you've laid that all out, you're going to offer the pricing. I like to set up the pricing as the investment because it is an investment. So the investment is this much, includes the proposed approach above. And then I would summarize, you know, that's assessments, debriefs, joint coaching sessions with the manager, 
touch bases with talent management as needed, the coaching, the leadership tools, and other resources, 24-7 availability to sue. Lay out that as, because remember, you're giving them the price at that point. So you really want to reinforce the value that you're offering for that price point. If chosen, your proposal, you're going to be moved into very likely into a discovery call with the client. So once again, I want to reinforce, don't assume that the client has seen the proposal. There's many times that the prospective client in the organization is given bios to choose their prospective coach, but not the actual proposal. And I was, that was a mistake I had early on. I assumed an assumption is never something that works well for me. I assumed that the client had seen the proposal. So I was talking specific to the proposal and there was a disconnect there and I wasn't aware of it. And so that created a disconnect in the discovery call. So I just encourage you to go back to curiosity, explore desired outcomes, maybe, you know, do a little bit of coaching, explore, set expectations about what you're hearing and and what you, what you believe to be true about what the client will, will, need to think about when engaging in coaching. That has created the most success for me in discovery calls. And once again, you can lean into episode 290 about discovery calls. So that's an outline of what I would encourage you to think about when responding to a request for proposal for an individual. Now, let's just briefly look at what to include if you're responding to an organizational need versus an individual need. Much of this is going to be the same, so I'm not going to do as deep of a dive as I did when we talked about an individual. However, there are different things to think about and include when you are responding to an organizational need. So there is much to consider, and maybe I'll even do another deep dive into some other things to consider in an organization. But for today, what I decided would be make the most sense to focus on in this episode is a basic proposal for a facilitator, a training, a group, a team building. There are large RFPs floating around out there that include proposals that are hundreds pages long, a a lot of deep dive, especially if you're proposing something to an organization that is, you know, maybe ongoing, huge, very truthfully responding to those RFPs has never been my cup of tea. I have had the opportunity to partner with other coaches who have done that and to be a coach for their service delivery. But I'm not doing a deep dive into one of those huge proposals in today's. That's not the purpose of this episode. So let's instead talk about, you know, what we can do when we've got a pretty simple proposal. Now, if you're looking at a more in-depth proposal, I am going to recommend two of my previous episodes. One is with the fabulous Angelique Ruhrs, where she talks about how to close a corporate 
coaching client in just one conversation. That's episode 164. She is amazing when it comes to doing corporate work. So I would recommend that episode. I would also recommend episode 308 with Russell Pearson, where we talked about how to simplify proposals. So that's going to give you just that much more rich information. Both of those are great episodes. But for the purposes of the time that we have left in today's episode, I'm going to use an example of one of my very first engagements with a company. I was very new as a coach. And it's to, I picked this example to show you that you don't necessarily need to be certified in dozens of assessments or have years of coaching experience under your belt to be able to offer value to an organization. So now we've got our organizational lens on, and I want you to go back to curiosity. In this example, I met with one of the owners of a relatively small company to do a needs assessment. She was looking for somebody to help build a culture of collaboration, teamwork, and improved communication in her company. Her company was divided into divisions and the teams were really siloed and they had very little understanding or interest of the challenges and demands that the other departments were facing. So in my needs assessment with her and through the questions that I asked of her, I understood that there was resentment and maybe even some jealousy of the perceived benefits of working in some departments versus other departments. And this lack of collaboration and cooperation was impacting customer results, which was not okay with the owner. There was a genuine interest on my part of how she was seeing her company and understanding the gap between where they were and where they wanted to be. So that first needs assessment meeting I had with her was about an hour. And I took a ton of notes, noting her language and what her desired outcomes were for this process. Based upon our conversation and exploring different options of what was available, the owner decided that she really wanted to focus into a team building program that would help create the differences that she was looking for in engaging with a coach. So creating the proposal was much of the same layout that we talked about in the individual. I started with purpose to, now mind you, when you use their language, when you pull in, I understand that the purpose of this proposal is to provide a team building program for the employees of company XYZ. So it was a small company. So all the employees were included in the proposed approach, which was actually not, I know that that might be, that's not something that you would actually put in the proposal, but that's just information for you to know. So the desired outcomes based upon what this owner and I talked about to improve individual and team performance and cooperation with each department as evidenced by, and then once again, you can do some bullet points. So, you know, we've got five bullet points here. One, increase confidence by each individual performer. Two, increase decision-making and initiative with each individual and within each department. Three, 
increased evidence of pride of work done individually and within the department. Four, an understanding and quality of delivery of service in respect to the company goals and objectives. And five, a willingness and ability to gear individual performance to meet company goals and objectives. So boom, based upon what I heard you say, here's what we're going to look for in the desired outcomes. And then she also wanted improved coordination and cooperation between the company departments. And those evidence were one, increased understanding, respect, and trust for each department's contribution to the overall company function. Two, improved cooperation and time management when possible when requesting services from the other departments. And with that, that was highlighting what she was saying were the problems and then what the difference would look like, right? So you want to lay those out. And then I laid out my proposed approach. I proposed that we did that we do an assessment and first we review the prior employee satisfaction survey results because they'd already done those and then to administer an assessment tool based upon strengths to increase employee and employer awareness and to then apply that to the team assessment so what we did was we looked at where are we right now and where do we want to be And based upon that, we gave an assessment. Now, at this point, I was not certified in any assessments, yet the Gallup StrengthsFinder book, uh, StrengthsFinder 2.0, was out. The company agreed to buy that book for everybody. They took the assessment in the back of that book. And then I got all those results, and I created a program based around those results, So we did an interdepartmental team building. It was a three-hour training involving teams that were a combination from all the departments. We focused on appreciation of personal diversity and how differences can help us do the jobs we do. We did a roundtable with each member sharing a reward and a challenge from their position to begin to start that communication. We did some education around what does each of these strengths bring forward and how can we engage with one another with our differences and strengths. And just as a little note, this isn't in the proposal, but this is uh, something that I did that worked really well. So offering that to you, I created a name tag for every member that was going to do the, well, so every employee and the bosses and the, and the owners got a name tag that listed their five top strengths so that they could wear their name tags and look around and see these people that I'm working with every day. What strengths are they bringing to the table? And so when we talked about what each strength brings forward and we talked about what the company goals and objectives were, we were able to have a robust conversation about how all of those work together and how all of our strengths bring those together. We also did a group team building exercise that involved problem solving. It was fun. We actually, in this exercise, what I did was I got some Lego kits and took the instructions out and all they got was a picture 
of what it was that they were building. And as a team, they had to build to the picture as quickly as possible, use up all of the pieces. And uh, it was a bit of a competition because the different groups were were uh, kind of going against one another to build their project as quickly as possible. So that was just kind of a fun team building exercise that pulled everybody together. Now I will tell you, this is just a little tidbit that the results of that team building, now there were many different things that the company was doing, and they were able to get the ROI on this team building because their customer satisfaction results went way up, their income and earnings went way up. There, there was much that that was seen both empirically and just through, now my words are, are lost on me here for a second. So whenever possible, learn about the results that a company is getting both financially, uh, relationally, um, with their underlying results of what what was the result after the team building. It was huge for this company. Now, this company had several initiatives going at once, but it was huge. What breaking down those barriers and those silos did for the results that this company was experiencing. So once again, you want to put in the the investment that you're asking for. What is the investment in this situation? The company bought the books, the company paid for the team building, and they also paid for my uh, the time in the... So in my proposal, all the things that I was thinking about as I presented a price to them was the data um, collection putting things together, creating the, the the program that I was going to offer, the time that we were actually there. All of those are things that you want to think about when you give the bottom line price for your investment. And once again, laying that out, this includes all these things. So I know that this episode has gone long. I've shared a lot of detail with you. You can get even more details in the download for this episode. But I want you to consider a couple other things as we roll to a close today. First of all, if your proposal is well-written and covers the details of the engagement, it can be attached to your basic contract when you get chosen to be the coach, and it's the framework for your agreement. So often I will have a, you know, a basic contract that I'm, you know, contracting with this company to work with this client for this period of time based upon the details in the proposal that is attached. Boom. So you don't have to rewrite everything. And I am well aware that there's many ways to complete a proposal. This is just one example. It really has served me well. And I see too many coaches held back by not knowing how do I engage with this process? So I'm just not even going to put my hat in the ring or I'm just not going to engage. And that's just not the way to thrive. And since I want you to thrive, I really hope that this is useful for you. Now, annual members in my community get templates to many of my favorite client forms and proposals. In this situation, I'm offering you, you know, a download of the free example of a proposal. So go to starcoachshow.com slash 352 and just get the download for today's 
episode. If you're interested in the many things that you get as a member of the Star Coach community, explore the membership at starcoachshow.com. There's a, a picture of me that says explore membership. Explore membership. Join our absolutely engaged, exciting community. We would love to have you. Next week, I am super excited to introduce you to Ruth Klein. We're going to be talking about how you identify your genius zone. And then once you've identified it, how do you put that genius zone to work? So join us next week. And think about rating and reviewing the show wherever you listen, because that's how more people find the Star Coach Show. And since I am absolutely compelled to help coaches thrive, the more coaches that find the show, the more can put their genius work to work. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.